0: Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet.
1: Post Daily Dose.
0: Hey, what's up, Post family? So, I am about to be doing a podcast interview. So I thought I'd let you guys eavesdrop on this little session. It's with um, the Unstoppable, Becoming Unstoppable podcast. I think Hilda um, is the um, host and she is, I think, doing a summit of some sort. But uh, she asked me if I wanted to participate. I said yes. So we're going to be doing a Zoom conference here shortly. And I thought I'd just give you guys access if you're interested. And if you think it's good information, of course, share it with your friends and family. And we broke 40,000. How cool is that? Happy Manic Monday to everyone. It was a busy weekend for Big Pop as usual. I hope you guys had a good good, uh, weekend as well. And I hope you have a good week, a big week planned ahead. Also, I'm going to be doing another podcast interview at 10 o'clock. That's Pacific Standard Time. So, and then I got to get on the road for a couple of hours. So there you have it. It starts at nine, so I got a few minutes. few minutes. Hello, Tracy from New Jersey. So I'm just gonna be streaming this live because I'll be talking to Hilda on the on the video. So just so you know, I won't be answering questions. Um, this will just be something for you guys to listen in. Listen in for. I'm gonna drop this down a little. Listen in to. Hello, Carrie James. Okay. I'm gonna cut my. Looks like it's going to be another sunshiny day here in Crescent City, California. It was a rainy, rainy afternoon. Hey, there's Hilda. Let me start my video.
1: Oh, can't hear you yet. Hey,
0: how are you? How's that?
1: Hi, you, how I, are you this morning? I'm doing
0: fantastic. And you?
1: I'm doing great too. Good, Thank good. you so much for asking.
0: Good, good, good.
1: Are you still in the Oakland area?
0: No, I'm back uh, Back in Crescent City.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> is that your permanent home?
0: Uh, well, permanent home is in Oklahoma City, in Oklahoma.
1: Okay.
0: Yes. Okay. Kind, of, kind of temporary uh, point of relocation is Crescent City.
1: Yeah. so you're a little bit all over the place. <laughs> I
0: am all over the place. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's nice. That's yeah. nice. Gives you a little bit of a change of scenery, huh?
0: It does. I get to mix it up. Yeah.
1: That's wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um, we've been having a change of scenery, but not because of because I've uh, gone anywhere, but because of uh, the uh, the rain and the weather's been just so. Yeah. So, now so where off.
0: where are you based out of? Hilda?
1: I'm based off of San Diego, California. Okay, San
0: Diego, cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, so Southern California, and typically um, we have very nice weather where it's not too cold and usually very sunny even though it's December, but um, I would say since last year um, till this winter now, it's it's been actually those rainy cold seasons that we are not used to, so yeah. we're getting some um, some, some variation in weather for sure. (laughs)
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, cool.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so very much again for um, joining us on this uh, series. I am really, really appreciative because I really wanted to get, um, people with various backgrounds who can really speak about what you're doing and give, give the audience different approaches to not be stuck in fear, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, Really, whether it's go seek out different modalities, but really, really inspire them to make a mind shift for 2020 to really work on their emotional well-being and their mental well-being, not just their physical well-being, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes, uh, a lot of the times I, 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 I and you probably can definitely um, speak upon this with your practice, is that just people are just too fearful to just yes. take that step. Yes. Right. Yes. It, 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 they, they get conditioned and trapped into these uh, into these patterns, into the comfort zone. And then they don't. And um, so that's where I wanted to give, like I said, this audience just little boosts going into the new year um, to to really think about what their new year's resolutions are going to be and maybe possibly make it something different than what they've done before. Now, I know that you have the book. Um, from fear to love. Mm -hmm. Uh, this, this is entirely up to you, whatever you would like to talk about in, and and then just as long as you wrap it into the topic of fear, Mm -hmm. would you like the interview to be based off of that? Would you like it? I like it to be a little bit more like natural, um, whatever comes up. Um, My first question is what you do at the post Institute, what Mm -hmm. you see. And then from there, of Mm -hmm. course, uh, it, it, it always gives me a, a segue to my next question, which will be something a little bit about um, what are some of the fears that you encounter in, in your practice? Um, but it, did you want to um, bring forth to light the, uh, the, the work in the book? Um, if that's entirely up to you. No,
0: no, I, I'm, I'm completely okay with just going with the flow of, of you know, whatever you want the focus to be. And we'll just go we'll just go with it it doesn't need to be built around the book i talk about the book all the time i don't need to talk about the book today
1: <laughs> okay are you sure because it's uh, 100
0: be percent. yeah if it comes up it's fine otherwise no it's no big deal
1: okay yeah. in your introduction i will introduce it because yeah. that you're an author of from fear to love sure. um but yeah okay so then we could just go natural on um wherever the conversation goes the interview will be about 20 to 25 minutes, so we'll probably it's 9:02 right now on my end, so we'll be stopping in in 25 minutes or so. Just so you know, the last question that I that I uh, will ask is um, I like to <laughs> I got inspired by Oprah and how she always goes <laughs> she always asks whenever she interviews anybody she always asks if you could go back to when you were the young, you, 20 year old, you, and you can offer any advice, what would it be? So my little twist would be like, if you could go back to a time in your life when you were really fearful about making a change in your, in your, in your, whether it be in your career, whether it be in your life, um, what advice would you give yourself? So that's just the, the last question of how I tie it back all around. And then of course, um, you can let us know where, uh, even though you'll have all the information, the audience will have all the information of where they can find you. I still like to ask, you know, so you can um, plug your 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 um, self and where they can find you, what the work that you do. Because like I said, this is what I hope. I hope that the audience that we reach, if they resonated with you, they contact you and they go and, and, and just get services. Sure. Just go and, and, and make some changes. Yeah, sounds so,
0: good? Sounds good. Sounds good.
1: All right, do you have any questions for me before we get started?
0: No, ma'am. Let's rock and roll. All
1: right, perfect. All right, so I'll give a countdown, three, two, one, and then I'll start the recording. Okay. All right, very good. So three, two, one, and welcome to another episode of Become Unstoppable, effective strategies for creating freedom from fear, fulfillment, and success in your life. I'm your host, Hilda de la Torre, therapist and empowerment coach, and today i have the honor of interviewing a gentleman who's very inspirational in his work brian post brian is the founder of the post institute and the author of from fear to love welcome brian how are you doing today
0: thanks for having me hilda i'm doing fantastic glad to be here
1: awesome thank you we're very glad to have you here and joining us this this uh, for us this morning for the viewers at various times of the day. <laughs> yeah, Brian, why don't you share with the audience a little bit about the Post Institute and um, what you do and create there?
0: So the Post Institute was actually founded by my partner and I 20, almost 20 years ago actually, to be a source of education for education support and hope for, adopt, for adoptive and foster families and families who struggle with children who have behavior issues associated with trauma, so multiple diagnoses and things like that. And so we just created a portal for education resources and a place for people to find support and help when they felt like nothing else was going to work or had worked. We wanted to be that 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 final support place to really give people hope. So that's what we did.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. So then uh, the clientele that you work with are parents that have adopted children and are at a loss in how to work with them. Tell me a little bit more. We've
0: actually, over over a 20-year span, have probably worked with about every population, um, from, from small kids to 89-year-old um, uh, women who want to deal with anger and and fear that they hadn't dealt with before in their lives and so in in between that are families and usually families who have been in the mental health system on average seven years their kids on average have five to seven different diagnoses on average, their kids are on three to five different medications before they get to us. And so it can be adopted children because I was adopted. So that's kind of my, my, my passion and, and area of expertise and focus. But a lot of times it's foster children, biological children with trauma histories. Probably the common theme with all of them is that they've all experienced trauma on some level. And usually it's a level that they're not even aware of. And we just help bring that to a more conscious level and help them gain more control over it.
1: Right. Right. I'm so glad that you um, mentioned that a lot of the times it's a trauma that people are not even aware of because when we think of trauma, we think of these huge horrific experiences and think that's what trauma is. And that didn't happen to me. So then I must not have experienced traumatic experience, but, um, I have found that trauma is not necessarily the event, it's the response to the event. And that a lot of the times holds a person in fear, mm-hmm. right?
0: Well, actually, so, so I- yeah, that, that's, you're absolutely right. Trauma is, is defined as any stressful event. So that's why it's not always the event because it could be any stressful event that's prolonged, overwhelming, or unpredictable. And when that event, when we don't have an opportunity to express, process, and understand, that's the difference between a short-term stressful event versus a potentially lifelong, life-altering event. And you know, people in, in the trauma community talk about pe- people's responses to the traumatic event. And a lot of times that response that's required is the ability to be able to express, process, and understand because that gives you some control Over over the event and how it happened. And when you don't get that opportunity, it can get buried in your cellular system, in your body, mind system and affect you for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's that's the component that people are not very conscious of. Right.
0: Yeah. Not conscious, not conscious at all. And in fact, um, I would say even probably more than just not conscious of it it is It is at some level denial that it has that it has even occurred um, even parents like because I work a lot with with parents i always I always start with the adults with the parents mm-hmm. so even parents who know they've experienced painful things don't like to talk about those things and don't like to look at them i just the other day. I had the opportunity to sit down with a woman, she's in her 40s, and she had experienced significant early childhood trauma. And up until I asked her the question, had she experienced any physical or sexual abuse in her life, she had only told one other person who, who was a therapist she's been seeing for a long time. And so it was not even a question she was prepared to really have asked or even to look at.
1: Wow! Wow! Yeah, I'm not sharing that with anybody in their life. How much are they holding, retaining, and just that, right?
0: Well, and it's 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 in addition to how much they're holding and retaining, but how much it's literally impacting every relationship that they're in. You know that yeah. that is how we allow our experiences to control our lives as opposed to us having control over our our experiences. When we are unable and unwilling, and usually it's only because of fear. This is what we, we don't realize, is that it is only fear that keeps you from any level of emotional freedom that you want to engage in. And that fear, the reason that fear feels so big is because that fear is attached, that emotion of fear, because I say there are only two primary emotions, love and fear, that emotion of fear is attached with it to an experience, and that experience has a vibration, and it is that, it is the fear of that past experience that keeps us held hostage, and it's it's not gonna impact us. Like that thing's not gonna come back today. It's not gonna come back tomorrow. It just lives in the past. And we have such a fear of confronting it and looking at it and working through it that we allow it to affect every decision, every relationship. And I see it in families all the time. I see it with parents all the time, but I just see it, I see it in individuals. Yes,
1: yes. Definitely. you know um, you're, you're, you're hit, hitting on some points that I actually find in my practice as well is that a lot of people w- just do not come in for, for help just out of the fear of not revisiting that event.
0: Yes, right.
1: Thinking that it's gonna, it's gonna create the same emotion it created when the, when the event was experienced. How do you um, approach that?
0: So the thing we have to understand is that we are living the fear already. The fear of of feeling it. We're already feeling it. The fear of um, re-experiencing it. We're already experiencing it. And we we hide behind the false illusion that by not talking about it, by not looking at it, that it's like, it's, it's not going to happen again or it doesn't exist, but the energy and the vibration shows up all the time. And so one of the ways in which um, I am probably the most proficient in helping people look at their fearful experiences is because I am not afraid myself. And when I am afraid, I am aware of it. So I've learned to be really mindful of my own fear and my own overwhelm, which gives me a perspective when I'm talking to people about theirs. And then kind of that, it's almost a conditioned courage over a period of years when I can talk to someone about their fear and the fears that they have and the things they've experienced and hold hold them in a space of, security that says you are going to be okay. And I understand that up until this point, maybe you've not felt like you could talk about this. Maybe you've not felt that you could share this because you've not had anyone to be able to hold you. But I can hold you. There's no emotion bigger than what my window of tolerance for you is going to be able to permit. And so giving them that level of security and certainty helps has helped me and helped others feel comfortable enough to move into their pain in in really rapid, quick periods of time.
1: Right. You know, you brought up a great, great point that a lot of people are afraid of confronting the the, the fear, but there you are holding the fear on their day to day lives.
0: You're right? already it's, living it's just
1: it, just coming out in various ways, but it is affecting them positively or negatively. Uh, Because they're holding it. Right. Yes. And so I can see how having a space where they can finally let that out would be so beneficial.
0: Well, and then there's the there's the you know, that's kind of multifaceted in that one people have to um, have someone who can explore with them what trauma actually has even been in their lives. You know, so there's there's the whole experience, which I believe the most common form of trauma is emotional absence and parental depression. You got parents who work, they come home, they feed you, um, they put you to bed, and you get up and you go, you do it over and over and over again. But there's there's no abuse, there's no um, neglect. It's just that they're stressed out parents doing the best they can, and there's no emotional connection. Well, emotional absence is the same physiology as stress. So if you live with stressed out parents, you're experiencing stress all the time, and that impacts our emotionality. And then there's the in utero experience of trauma and of stress that we really don't look at. You know, when you ask someone, what was your, what was, you know, where were your mom and dad when you were in the womb? You know, what do you know about your birth? What do you know about your first three years of life? And just to generalize, most people don't ever really think about that, talk about that. I talked to a mom the other day, a mom and a dad the other day. They're in their 70s. This mom had raised her children, had raised her siblings from the time she was nine years old. The dad remembers raising his brothers from the time he was six. He said at six years old, we were getting on buses and driving taking the bus around oakland with his little 3-year-old and 2-year-old brother so that is that is an emotional level of trauma that people don't understand how that shows up and it very clearly shows up in their in their marriage now and so you know helping people understand what are those emotional experiences you've had in your in your life that create those emotional barriers, number one? And then number two, giving you an opportunity to actually go into the experience and feel the experience. See, Sheldon Kopp is a psychotherapist. He's dead now. He wrote a book um, called If You See the Buddha in the Road, Kill Him. Um, long time, he's a really good book. And, and uh, Psychotherapy Guru. He always said, before you can get out of something, you have to be willing to get into it. So we have yeah. these experiences that 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 grab us throughout our lives and we want to move away from them, but they hang on to us. Stephen Covey said, upset feelings never die. They are buried alive and come back as something uglier. Well, people don't realize that getting through a trauma or getting through a fear barrier really at the end of the day in the most simplest form is just a matter of breathing into it, thinking about it, and then honoring the feeling associated with it. That's really all it is. When you honor the feeling associated with the experience and you feel that feeling and you allow yourself, the Greek meaning of the word honor is to assign value no greater and no less than what was deserved. So whatever that experience was... And I, you know, I say this, I say to an adult now, you know, you, let's say you experienced some loss. You lost your mom when you were eight years old and then, you know, you had to be responsible for your brothers and sisters. So you never had an opportunity to grieve the loss of your mom and now you're 60 years old. Well, what do you do about that? Well, let's just start by closing your eyes, breathing in, inhaling, exhaling, put your hands on your chest Think about when you were eight years old and you lost your mom. And let's just start right there. And now, let's start to feel that. What did that feel like? Let's think about what was going on. The sadness starts to come up. Now give into to that sadness give me a little bit more of that go deeper allow yourself to go a little bit deeper express it a little bit more a little bit louder and they start going through this process allow yourself to grieve allow yourself to let go let go of that grief that eight-year-old has been hanging on to for your entire life let go of that grief let it go let it go and they start to release that yeah. and i went through a process. Similar to that with a mom recently, and this is the 70-year-old mom. And once we got finished, she sat next to her husband and she said, I feel like I've been healed. Just by going in and relieving some of that emotional stress pressure. And I told her, well, I don't know about being healed. We've just scraped the surface. There's so much deeper. (laughs) There's so much further we can go. But people feel that kind of upliftment they feel that kind of hope and inspiration just by finally having an opportunity to let go whatever whatever that trauma whatever that experience is that's been holding on to you all your life turn around and face that thing and put sound to it put emotion to it and that's how you release that grasp and when you release the grasp of that pain that energy has to dissipate it has to dissipate it's just energy the, the, the yes. significance is that emotion is just energy. And once you once you honor the energy, the energy has to dissipate. It's not going to hang on. Right. But you have
1: to feel that energy first. You yeah.
0: gotta you gotta feel it. And the thing is, is because it's conditioned, it's literally conditioned in our cells and potentially even in our DNA, it will come back. It comes back because of conditioning. If you will allow yourself to continue to release, to continue to be mindful, continue to be aware in the presence of that, of that grasping on, it will, it will loosen, eat faster and faster and faster. And pretty soon it stops coming back. Pretty soon it's just like a little acknowledgement. You know, maybe it says, hey, and you just acknowledge it and it goes away.
1: Right. Definitely, definitely. Let me bring back um, this question to what you said in the beginning when you mentioned of how you work with your clients. Typically, you work with the parents first. Now, I you know the purpose of that, but can you share with, your, with the audience, why would you work with the, par- with the parents first?
0: So, in our society, we like to, we like to focus on behaviors. And unfortunately, those behaviors always end up being focused from as the, chi- the child. The child is always the focus of attention. So the child is the one who gets the diagnosis, gets the medication, you know. And so when families, and mental health professionals, I believe, foster this, when families go to a counselor for help, the counselor tends to bring the bring the child away from the family into the office Well, i believe that healing happens in the home and i believe yeah. the responsibility by and large, falls upon the adults that surround the child, not upon the child themselves. And we have to be willing to to go through and look at our, our own stuff, our own issues, our own pains, our own traumas, and we have to be willing to heal our own selves before we can create the environment for our children to work through their pain. Because I believe fundamentally that children's behaviors is just a manifestation of their trauma. So when a child is misbehaving, it's not something to be labeled, it's not something to be diagnosed. It's something by it's something for mindful and enlightened adults to understand, to see and to be able to respond in a loving way that allows that child in that moment to work through that behavior and decide that they don't have to hold on to that behavior anymore because it is resolving that trauma in their in their brain. And so the reason I always work with parents is because they set the platform and the foundation for healing for the family.
1: Right, right on. That's exactly what I wanted you to share just because I know that a lot of the times uh, I, I have encountered parents that want the help for their children and, they, and, they, and, and that's great. And of course we'll, in, you know, we'll, we'll work with the child However, I always say, "What about yourself?"
0: Yeah, and I want to—I want to say something. I'm going to say this really quick, Hilda, but I believe it probably deserves a lot more time. Yeah. When when a child is misbehaving, that child is sending off a vibration. That vibration triggers the parent's own brain stem. It matches, it matches a vibration that is stored in the parent's brain stem, which is connected to the rest of their body. That is the core of reactivity. So the parent becomes reactive to the vibration they're receiving from the child. When the parent becomes reactive to the vibration they're sending from the child that's coming from the child's own trauma-based, fear-based vibration, When the parent becomes reactive, they're sending a negative vibration back to the child, which intensifies the child's pre-existing vibration. That's a negative feedback loop. In order to help a child heal through trauma, a parent has to first stop allowing that vibration to increase their own negative vibration. They can only do that if they come to an understanding of what it is about that vibration coming from their child that is increasing their negative vibration to begin with. And that's why they have to deal with their own stuff. The reason parents have to look at their own stuff is because they are the portal through which their child's trauma is going to get funneled. It is, it is going to get... Um, it's going to be directed through through the port the portal of the parent if that vibration comes through the parent and the parent deciphers that vibration as negative as fearful as stressful then that's what they're going to send back to the child if that child's okay. vibration comes to that parent and that parent is able to funnel that bright vibration to screen that vibration to look at it, to understand it, to not become overwhelmed by it, to breathe through it, turn on oxytocin, and then they send back a positive vibration. A, positive vi- a negative vibration cannot grow in the presence of a positive vibration. It is a physiologic impossibility. It's quantum physics. As long as that positive vibration exists, that negative vibration can't grow and over time it has to diminish and dissipate. We have that power as adults, not just as parents but as adults. We have that power over every aspect of our lives when we're interacting and we're in relationship with other people because that's all we're doing. We're all the time we're just exchanging vibrations. The more mindful, right. the more mindful, the more aware and the more willing we are to take responsibility for our own vibration, for our own vibration, what we emit back, the more power we have in changing and controlling our lives.
1: Beautiful. Beautifully said. Really, really beautifully said and, and, and so insightful. And I really, really hope that our audience really tuned into that because that message is very powerful. Now, I'm going to wrap this up. Okay. And I want to ask you, obviously, you've created a great foundation for families. You've got a great space for them to, to come and um, get some healing done. Now, I'm pretty sure with your life experience, you've experienced fear here and there at the various times in your life looking back with everything that you have already gone through and learned if you could go back and speak to the younger brian that at one point was very fearful of making a decision whatever that decision may be what would you advise him
0: so i was born in fear so my 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 entire life i'm i'm still i'm still highly fearful i'm very stress sensitive and so if i was to go back to a younger Brian, I would just say to him, you are okay, you are safe, you're not going to die, breathe, calm down, and focus.
1: That's what okay. I'd say. Powerful, powerful. Thank you so very much, Brian. Thank you, Hilda. Where can can people... Um, Hear more from from the great work that you do. Share with our audience where they can reach you.
0: So every day on Facebook at the Post Institute, um, I do a daily show called Post Daily Dose. Five days a week, I call it the greatest ten minute parenting show on the planet. Although I usually go over ten minutes, so they can follow us on, <laughs> on Facebook at the Post Institute, and then postinstitute.com is our um, main website where they can follow us too. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, post-parenting and Brian post 32.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so very much, Brian. You're welcome. This was super inspirational. You're welcome. Thank you so very much. Thank you audience for tuning in and see you guys on the next one. Mm-hmm. Bye. Beautiful, Brian. Gosh, I wish I had more time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I really, really, um, enjoyed this this conversation because i i really want this is exactly what i was wanting to create for this audience a a space where they can really be educated in in really how important it is to work with their own fears what fears does especially in parenting you know i i actually in, in in the agency that i currently still work at we we work with a lot of um primarily children, families and children, mm-hmm. developmental, um, delayed children, autistic. And, and, and that's where I find that a lot of times they bring me the children and they're like, here, you know, fix the problem. Sure. I'll be in the waiting room. Sure. And I'm like, no, that's yeah. not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that you were able to provide that for any of the parents that might be listening that want to, you know, either get resources for their children or now inspire them to get resources for themselves because it is a negative feedback loop (laughs) that they encounter if they do not
0: yeah well thank you for the opportunity yeah
1: Yeah, no problem the um the series is actually launching this wednesday so i'm actually going to send out an email for um all the speakers to have and then you can already start to promote you're gonna your interview is gonna be featured I believe next week I'll give you exactly what date because I have to edit it and put it together um, with your with your bio. Did you get a chance to get on the? I on have the... I have
0: still not received that link. I looked in my spam and I I still Did you? yeah I still haven't gotten oh, it.
1: Okay, let me let me uh, connect with them with the software again and I'll try to send that out again because I had post but that it got resent. But mm-hmm. let me see, maybe I might have missed. Uh, Put some letter wrong or something, okay. and and let me let me look into it. That way you can uh, upload your bio and your and your and your pick, and then we could connect it with the with the interview.
0: Okay, fantastic. Thanks, Brian.
1: Okay, thanks, Sylvia. Okay, Have sounds a good. Rest All of right. your day. Take care. Beautiful.
0: All right, Bye. All right, gang. Hey, thanks for joining in. Hope you uh, got something out of that. Um, Joni says, you can't give from a broken plate. That's absolutely true. All right, I'm going to meet with uh, Kyle here and get on with our Monday. Go rock and roll, guys. Talk to you soon.